Is this thing on? Oh, hey guys. Uh, you might have noticed on the title, it's a little bit different than uh, last the last episode. And you probably remember, uh, if you listened to it, uh, that uh, we were ending Season 1 and starting Season 2. And here we are. Season 1 of Season 2. It's... Uh, been uh it's been quite the uh journey through the first 50 episodes so hopefully uh should be fun rest of the way for season two even though it hasn't even started yet mm-hmm. so this is uh episode one of season two or episode 51 if you want to go by total but uh yeah as always welcome to behind the net podcast i'm matthew and with me is michael the other co-host of this lovely show that you're listening to thank you as always for listening if you are still listening to us <laughs> I, I, I mean people who's who uh who doesn't want to listen to us uh we have some great content and we got a great episode for you today as i'm sure you saw by the title uh we'll just get to that in a little bit but first uh i want to just talk about the fact that uh why we're actually doing this it's really simple it's just to give us an extra bit of motivation not that we needed it but also just it was kind of fitting because the raptors were about to start their uh, uh, preseason tomorrow, actually, against the Charlotte Hornets. So I, th- I felt it, it was kind of fitting that we uh, start anew with a new season, unlike the Jays, who haven't made a single signing yet. <laughs> we're still waiting on the Jays, um, and we're still waiting on the NHL to have their stuff together. <laughs> there um, you go, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a Raptors episode, as you saw in the title. We have... Chris Walder joining us, a great, great guy, great, great writer, and uh, really, he has a really great podcast, which this week you guys definitely want to check out. Um, uh, you, you'll hear a bit more about it uh, in our interview, but look forward to that. Um, but yeah, the Raptors start their preseason tomorrow against the Charlotte Hornets. Are you excited, Michael? Because I, for one, am very excited. I It's the same excitement that I felt when the Raptors played just before their first preseason, like, well, scrimmage game against i believe it was the rockets back in aug late like august it was just finally something to watch on tv because it had been so long since there had been live sports on and uh I, well i mean the blue jays had been back at that time but uh baseball is one of those sports you don't really watch every single day and it's okay if you miss a couple of games so just like when when the raptors came back i tuned into that even though the game ultimately did not matter so i feel this same excitement uh for this preseason game. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a added emphasis on, uh, on it tomorrow though. Um, I mean, obviously we've had the NFL going on, but um, you know, for Canadian sports, for Toronto sports, uh, they pretty much the three teams have been like all completely on pause. Usually, you know, you have baseball to keep you um, busy while, you know, hockey and basketball are in the off season. But now we kind of had all three of those uh, Toronto sports end at the same time. So the deprivation has been real, but uh, it, it gets underway tomorrow. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Lamelo Ball and the Hornets, uh, of course, one of my favorite prospects. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see. And the Toronto Raptors, it's 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 you know a lot has changed, and we'll talk about that. We talked about that with Chris, and you're going to hear that soon. Um, but it's just going to be an interesting season. It is absolutely, and there's a lot of questions heading into the year, uh, especially with a lot of big names going. So a few. Uh, bench guys are going to get bigger responsibilities but overall i think raptors fans uh feel the same excitement that they felt uh last season even though the, the difference between last season and this season that they didn't lose a big name like Kawhi leonard yeah they lost serge Ibaka and marcus Saul, but uh i feel like uh with uh 
with it, no expectations, I feel like that's going to make for an exciting campaign. Oh, for sure. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting. And how about we just go into our interview with Chris now? I mean, it's great. <laughs> I can't. You guys are going to love it. Yep. So let's go into that right now. Today, we're very pleased to be joined by a very special guest, Chris Walder. Chris is the host of the Walder Sportscast, which can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. He has previously also had bylines for Bleacher Report, The Score, and Raptors HQ. Welcome to the show, Chris. How are you tonight? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to stay safe during this pandemic, stay f- safe and healthy, of course, just like you guys. And uh, again, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you on, man. I can't wait to have a great discussion about the Raptors, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on. It's a really exciting thing to have you on here. Of course, a great podcast uh, for you, that you host. And uh, yeah, I mean, like like we said, um, basketball is literally around the corner. Like literally starts technically tonight. Preseason starts. Raptors start tomorrow. A whole lot to talk about. Before we get into that, though, um, I want I got I want to ask you, like, tell me about how your podcast started. I know you started this year. Uh, it, it was just kind of like a side project for me. It was something that I wanted to do for quite a long time. I, I used to work at the score, of course, and I didn't have the opportunity to really do outside projects at the time. We had the the score's own podcast, Pound the Rock, which everyone should be listening to. But I wanted to do something on my own, and once I got let go from the score unfortunately and with the you know coinciding with the pandemic time freed up and uh with the little kick in the bum from some of my friends who wanted to hear me do a podcast uh, i think the time was right to start recording so i'm 25 episodes deep i'm having a lot of fun i've had a lot of great guests and i hope to continue it as long as people will continue to listen absolutely you know 25 episodes is a lot. I know for us, uh, when we, when you get to a certain milestone, you're like, holy crap, I can't believe it. we've been doing it for so long. Uh, in in your 25 episodes, is there one that stood out to you so far? Uh, there's a couple that stood out. I mean, you know, one of the things about being a, a podcast host is, you know, especially for someone who has been nervous in the past when interacting with people, I think, you know, shooting your shot on social media to get guests is something that I wasn't accustomed to doing, but I was able to land a couple of guests that I've wanted to sit down and chat with for quite a long time, them being Chuck Swarski and Jack Armstrong, you know, the voices of the Toronto Raptors that I grew up listening to with such pivotal moments in franchise history. So having the opportunity to kind of talk basketball with them, impact on the Toronto Raptors fan base, you know, all of their famous quotes and some stories that they had to tell. It was such a thrill for me. And, you know, having on people that have had the chance to work with in the past, you know, some of my former NBA colleagues at the score, like Joseph Cacharo, John Chick, Chico Nishan, really good guys that I kind of wanted to, you know, you know, spotlight in a bigger sense and have people hear some of their stories as well. So I think about the podcast, having different guests on different point of views, different opinions uh, means a great deal because Lord knows no one wants to hear me talk for an hour. So it's all about the guests and I like making it more about them. Absolutely. You know, when you're to- when you're mentioning that story about uh, talking to the play-by-play guy, it's, it's there's always moments when you're interacting with celebrities where you just kind of got to kick yourself. Did that happen to you? You're like, oh my goodness, this person I'm speaking to was the voice of my childhood. 
Yeah, I certainly had that with Jack Armstrong. I mean, I had some feedback about that episode, and some people told me that I sounded a little bit nervous at the very beginning, but I kind of got my footing eventually, which was good because I didn't want to sound like a fanboy the entire time. But Jack Armstrong, I mean, I used to work game operations for the Toronto Raptors back in the day, a little over a decade ago, and Jack couldn't have distinguished me from a hole in the ground. He wouldn't have known my name, but you know what? Every time he passed me in the hallway, he always greeted me. He always said hello, asked how my day was going. And if you asked him what my name was, I bet you a million dollars he couldn't tell you. But for him to, when I reached out to him, he remembered me, which I couldn't believe. And I thought that was such a cool moment because I have such the utmost utmost respect for him. He's such a funny guy. And being able to chat with him, yeah, it was a little surreal, you know, uh, the fanboy in me did come out a little bit, but again, Jack's a great guy. Absolutely. That, that's I totally agree. Jack is mm -hmm. awesome. That's so awesome. Uh, of course, Jack Armstrong is um, one of the commentators for the Toronto Raptors. So, and he's been, he's been the commentator for, for a while now. So uh, definitely it's a, it's a starstruck moment for you. Um, I got to ask you uh, also side note uh, to the listeners. We've been having some technical difficulties. So guys, do you hear me well here? Absolutely. Loud and clear, buddy. Great. It's working now. <laughs> um, but my next <laughs> question is, uh, where do you hope to take the podcast like content-wise going forward? I think I've kind of gotten into a rhythm uh, with the format of the podcast. You know, we, we usually have like a main topic of discussion, 10 or so questions at the start. And then halfway through, I switch it up and do a rapid fire. I, I call it a rapid fire, but it takes like 20 minutes. So that's the last thing it should be called. But I kind of like where that is going. I, I continue to have different guests as much as possible. I'd like to have some former players on. You know, if you follow me on Twitter at Walder Sports, you know that I've been kind of on Vince Carter's ass to come on my podcast <laughs> because I think that would be a massive get. But you know what? I'm just having a lot of fun doing it. If it just ends up being like a hobby and a side project of mine, doesn't earn a dollar, doesn't get a single sponsorship, I'm totally fine with that. It's just something to kind of keep busy during these times, keep myself relevant in the sports media industry. You know, I, I worked so hard to kind of get the job that I had at the score. You know, I was I was writing for lesser known sites. I started at Raptors HQ and kind of worked my way up to Bleacher Report which helped me get the job at the score. But for now, you know, especially during these times when not a, not much is open out there, there's not a lot of work opportunities. I think just doing the Walder Sportscast, just having a lot of fun with it, being creative, having that outlet to work with uh, means more to me than anyone will probably know. So I'll, I'll continue forward with it and uh, we'll see what happens. That I can definitely awesome. relate to that because mm -hmm. uh, like working through this pandemic has been uh, quite the rewarding thing because like, you know, otherwise, like we'd be we'd be kind of going crazy. So, like, I'm always appreciative of uh, getting to work alongside Matthew to do this show, and I know you're you're grateful to to have that podcast as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, being a it feels like podcasting is like an oversaturated market at this point. It, it feels like everyone has a podcast, but you know what? That's totally fine. I think everyone who's who's interested and passionate about recording a podcast should absolutely have one. And even if no one is really listening at the end of the day, who cares? If you're proud of what you're doing and you're happy doing it, that's all that should matter. Absolutely. And we, we can relate a lot to that. I mean, uh, Michael and I, we are, you know, kind of fresh out of journalism school, trying to get our you know foot in the industry. And we kind of started this uh, podcast like, what, like October last year? And then we were, it was going fine and then the pandemic hit and we had to kind of figure out how we would do everything and then honestly i think the like this pandemic it kind of gave gives us that motivation gives you something fun to do um in all that time and honestly a lot of the really like the episodes we're really proud of came 
during this pandemic. And uh, I've, I've loved, you know, we don't even know how many people really are listening, but we've seen the small growth and we just love uh, who we get to talk to, like like yourself coming on here. And uh, just the experiences, uh, it's just been so fun, uh, you know, experiencing alongside Michael. Absolutely. I totally agree, man. Mm-hmm. So let's switch things over to the Raptors because the Raptors are returning, I believe it's uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and tonight is the start of preseason, believe it or not. There are basketball games being played. The big story, of course, uh, being Fred Van Fleet's re-signing, but that did come at the cost of two big pieces in Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saul. Chris, I got to ask you, how big of losses do you think they were? Yeah, it was certainly disheartening to see both of them go. I kind of anticipated at least one of them leaving, not both, uh, especially when the, that news came out uh, earlier about Marcus Saul possibly heading over to Spain, you know, playing some basketball for Barcelona and kind of finishing out his career there. But then him backtracking, or at least those reports being proven false, and him, him ending up with the Los Angeles Lakers and, of course, Serge Ibaka with the Clippers, I think in the moment, you know, seeing the depleted front court de- front court depth at the time, not knowing who was going to step into those roles, you know, assuming that Chris Boucher would probably come back, but then ultimately ending up with two guys and Aaron Baines, who's already a cult favorite <laughs> amongst Toronto Raptors fans, and then Alex Len, two service two serviceable bodies, but not anyone uh, the caliber of a Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka, at least what they provided for the Raptors offense and defense, you know, it, it could have ended up a lot worse for the Raptors. I'm kind of curious to see how that, how that rotation will end up during the season, but yeah, especially in the moment, uh, it sucked to see them go, you know, two important parts of the NBA championship team, uh, guys that'll be remembered forever amongst Raptors fans. I certainly wish them well, but not too well. Uh, you know, obviously we want to see the Raptors <laughs> thrive, not the Los Angeles squads. Of course. And uh, you kind of already mentioned it, uh, you know, the new pieces that the uh, Raptors picked up in, you know, Alex Len, um, obviously Aaron Baines. Um, Who are you most excited to see um, become a Raptor and play this season? Well, uh, if the Baines fan club Twitter account has done anything, it's gotten me on the Aaron Baines bandwagon, a guy (laughs) I didn't really pay much attention to prior to him coming to the Raptors. I know uh, I just kind of remembered him for his beard and and being a bruising body who could throw his weight around. But this is a guy who can stretch the floor, hit the occasional three point shot. And I watched some highlight packages on him. And you know what? He's a guy that can fill in that five spot. Pretty flawlessly for the Toronto Raptors. I mean, the rest of the lineup stays intact with Van Vliet, Lowry, and Anobi and Siakam. That's going to be the bread and butter of the Raptors' offense. But having a guy like Aaron Baines, fit, you know, give him 20, 25 minutes a night, see what he can provide. Uh, the other two guys, you know, like Alex Len, of course, you know, uh, a rare lottery pick for the Raptors. You know, of course, the Raptors won a championship mm-hmm. without a lottery pick on the roster. And then another guy like DeAndre Bembry kind of filling in that Rondé Hollis-Jefferson role. Not really exciting players, but again, I think, uh, you know, the Baines bandwagon with the Twitter account backing it, uh, he's going to become an instant fan favorite like he, like he already has, and we'll see what he can do out there. Mm-hmm. And side note, if you're what? not following the Aaron Baines uh, fan club, make sure you follow them. They are hilarious. Absolutely. I can attest to that. Um, uh, What was I going to say? So the rotation is going to be one of these questions coming into the season. And we're going to get our first look at it tomorrow when the Raptors kick off their preseason. I got to ask you, what would you think would be the most ideal 
starting rotation or just like what what would you like to be seeing getting more consistent minutes well like i said i think the starting lineup is pretty much intact you know you got your backcourt of kyle lowry and fred van vliet coming off that big contract you know og and anobi i think is going to take another step upward this year i'm ex- also ex- anticipating a bounce back for pascal siakam after what was a pretty dismal postseason performance for him but you know, a lot came into play for that. Obviously, the layoff that they had and and being in the bubble took an emotional toll on him. But I expect him to be uh, you know, back at that all-star caliber level level, like we all kind of expect. And then Aaron Baines at the five spot as well. As far as the bench goes, I think the Raptors are trying to figure that out as they go right now. And Norman Powell is certainly penciled in as the sixth man, still a very important piece for the rotation. But after that, it's just question mark after question mark. Where's Matt Thomas going to fall into play w- with Terrence Davis, of course, with his the allegations and the court case and whatnot? Is he going to even be a part of the team in the next couple of months? And, you know, Chris Boucher, Alex Len, how are those minutes going to split? So, you know, Nick Nurse, a- an NBA coach of the year, he's going to have his work cut out for him, especially figuring out the rotation, how many minutes each guy is going to get, because Serge Ibaka and Marcus Saul. To a lesser extent, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson filling in those spots, it's going to be easier said than done. But if anyone could do it, it's Nick Nurse. Exactly. 100%. I completely agree with that. Um, really, I think the Raptors are, once again, we said this all last season, but it's, it's a real wild card season for them. Um, we really don't know where, you know, what to expect. It's going to be crazy. But I got to ask you then, um, how do you think personally the Raptors will fare this season? Do you think they're still a playoff team? And where do you think they'll slot in? I certainly think that we have to temper expectations. Uh, they're definitely a playoff team. They they always thrive during the regular season. I fully expect them to end up with, you know, quote unquote, home court advantage throughout the playoffs. Unfortunately, it's not going to be Toronto home court advantage. But nonetheless, uh, I expect them to be a top four seed in the Eastern Conference. And then after that, I think the best case scenario for them would be competitive second round uh defeat uh or at least you know get to the eastern conference finals i think anything above that is probably pushing it a little bit considering the pieces that they have lost but if there's anything that the raptors have proven to do is it surprise us you know the mm-hmm. the minute that you kind of underestimate them and expect them to fall off the face of the earth they do the complete opposite of that and of course the core pieces are still intact as long as kyle lowry is around he ain't going down without a fight. So the Raptors are still going to be in the thick of things, but they're definitely not a championship contender. I mean, you speak, you, you bring up the, the fact that he's going to be starting the season in Tampa. And I think that's one thing that uh, fans are not thinking about. It's just how much of a home current advantage the Raptors had when they were in Toronto. You're not going to get that exact same experience when you're playing in Tampa. M- never mind that, but also with no fans. I have to ask you, I know they experienced this in the bubble. But how much did that uh, is is this going to affect their play, or if it, if even if it is, and how much do you think the players are going to be looking forward to being able to play in Toronto if they can this year? Yeah, it's weird because we don't necessarily know when this pandemic is going to reach its kind of you know climax. At this point, obviously, we see these the news coming in of the vaccine coming through, and hopefully, this season is kind of be a one and done of this whole experiment of, of not having fans or whatnot. Of course, safety first for not just the players and the personnel, but the fans keeping them away for the time being. But like you said, I mean, Toronto has a distinct home court advantage. Of, just think of Jurassic Park outside during the sometimes during the regular season, mostly during the playoffs. But the fandom here in Toronto is just 
so intense. It does a number for the Raptors, you know, motivation and, and wanting to do it for the city and the country. But now it's not just the Raptors, you know, every team in the association is going to be at a disadvantage in a sense. You know, we don't know this point how many fans are going to be allowed for certain teams in certain parts of the country but mm-hmm. for the raptors if anything going through that bubble not having fans it kind of prepared them mentally to deal with this upcoming season the 72 game campaign it, it, it's going to be hard you know obviously you would like that enthusiasm in the building that crowd noise i assume they're going to continue to filter it in just to create an ambiance for the players and the broadcast especially but at this point it's it's just kind of the the belly of the beast it's it's the way things are and the sooner they get used to it the better i absolutely agree. agree absolutely for sure um I want to go back to when you were talking about the starting lineup and of course your your own um you know your own expectations for the team. You mentioned uh Pascal Siakam specifically and you think he could bounce back. I want to ask you, do you really think he can regain his form and how, you know, how long would uh that how long do you think that would take for him to regain his form and would you say he's the X factor really that we're all waiting on? I wouldn't even say he's the X factor. I just think he's the guy right now. He's the number one. Uh, you know, Kyle Lowry, in a philosophical sense, I guess, is always going to be the the heart and soul of this team. But the Raptors are going to go as far as Pascal Siakam's going to take him. And unfortunately, I think he saw a lot of the backlash that he received on social media following, you know, the, the playoff run Toronto had. He was obviously one of the big negatives on the team. You know, defensively, he was sound, but offensively, the guy couldn't buy a bucket. And I think he's extra motivated you know during the layoff that they had to come back and prove a lot of people wrong so i expect that from him i think the raptors management openly admitted that pascal wasn't himself during the bubble and things aren't obviously going to be any easier now that the season's going to resume as quickly as it has there not being any fans in the entire environment being drastically different but i think pascal has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder he was an all-star starter last season and the growth that this guy has taken in just such a short time with it as well as the fact that you know his new contract being paid like a top level player you know the toronto raptors going to rely on him a great deal and i would be surprised if he continued the cold streak that he had in the bubble and i expect him to return to all-star form for sure for sure I think that's definitely the big uh, uh, ask for Pascal, but not, but more so we, we kind of expected as well. Obviously, the playoffs were disappointing. You're right. And he had a pretty disappointing showing against the Celtics, and all the jokes about from the Celtics fans have been uh, a little too much, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, if Pascal really is the guy, I think this is the year for him to prove it because there's all this motivation for him to prove that that was just a blimp on the radar, not just uh, what kind of player he's going to be going forward. And he's proven that he can elevate his game to further levels than we've than uh, what we previously thought he could reach. And that's what I think makes me feel confident that Pascal can be the guy. Yeah, lest we forget like what he accomplished during the regular season. It, you know, it, the playoffs left a bitter taste in the in the mouths of a lot of people. And Siakam's reputation, at least on NBA Twitter, took a nosedive in a sense. Mm-hmm. But I think we just have to look back at that, you know, 2019-20 campaign and just look at the potential that this guy has to be an elite level player. And, you know, we need to see that in the playoffs, of course, because that's what really matters. But 
I think we're going to see Siakam, at least during the regular season, be that all-star starter caliber player. And then when the postseason comes, obviously, we'll have to kind of take our opinions from there and, and see what he can accomplish then. But I think having that 72-game campaign in these you know empty environments, I think will do him a lot of good and prepare him for the postseason. For sure. I think that's, sure. yeah. I think uh, if Pascal Siakam can be, have a big bounce back season in the regular season and assuming the Raptors make the playoffs, it's elevate his game even further. I think Raptors will be, be very confident that uh, that Pascal will be the future of the franchise. And if the if the Raptors want to get some uh, big fishes uh, in a year's time, hey, maybe it'll be more likely. Yeah, who knows about 2020, uh, 2021, right? With uh, Giannis and uh, the max money that Toronto can throw around. Maybe uh, Siakam will have a running mate to go alongside him, but uh, that remains to be seen. For sure. So uh, my next question is, uh, which of the younger players specifically do you think will take a big leap this season? Well, I mean, I was optimistic about Terrence Davis, but that's all up in the air at this point. Uh, I was expecting, you know, a, a very strong sophomore campaign. But again, with all of the allegations and the court case for him, if he's going to be a part of the Toronto Raptors, I hope the franchise does its due diligence. Mm -hmm. And uh, if he is proven guilty of those allegations, then they uh, do what's necessary at that point. But as far as the rest of the roster, I expect... He's not one of the the younger players on the team, but I think Matt Thomas is going to have a big year for the Raptors. You know, someone who can especially light it up from three point range—that's kind of his his biggest strength. And the energy he provided at certain points, I think a lot of people kind of underestimated the fact that this is a guy who can get around the court fairly easily, and he has to be accounted for at all times. You certainly can't leave a, a, a streaky shooter like Matt Thomas open on the perimeter. So, and now with those kind of gaps in the seven eight nine spot in the rotation. There's no reason to think that Matt Thomas can't step in and give the Raptors some strong minutes. I th yeah, I think what's what's great about the Raptors is just overall they've done a really great job of developing their prospects, and there's been so many quality players that have graduated uh, to the to the to the NBA like in the last couple of years. Obviously, Siakam's one of them, and of course, Van Fleet's another. And just the fact that we're even having this conversation, there's just so many quality players that could just break out at any point. It's just it's encouraging. You know, the Raptors have built a great program, and 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 you're right, Matt Thomas would be someone I'd love to see make a big step, because I, I really am high on him. For sure. I was going to ask, do you think there are any Raptors, though, that you think might make a leap like Pascal Siakam did two seasons ago, one where it's a big leap? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's go. that's a big ask. I mean, the the <laughs> way Pascal Siakam has kind of developed. I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, everyone the Raptors develops, uh, you know, you'd think would be an all star at some point. Uh, I think the best case scenario is OG Ananobi mm, kind of I puts agree. himself into those all defensive mm. team, uh, you know, categories, or maybe even like a sleeper pick for defensive player of the year, but. You know, we've kind of take for granted what's happened with Siakam. And that's why it was so difficult watching people kind of turn on him the way that they did in the playoffs. I mean, it wasn't too long ago where this guy was like at the end of the bench, barely playing any minutes. And now he's the number one option on the team, albeit on a team that kind of works on the sum of its parts, not just on one guy. But he's certainly being paid that way. But, you know, the development that that guy has shown is just unbelievable. And I, I kind of see that in a way with OG Ananobi. I don't think he's going to reach the heights that Siakam has had, but he's such a vital part of this team that, you know, if he continues on the trajectory that he is, he'll be just fine. So I, I, if anyone's taking that leap, it's Ananobi, but kind of temper expectations in a way.
for sure. You know, speaking of big leaps, uh, we were kind of alluding to it earlier, but uh, we we it's hard to argue that there's few sports topics in this city that are more pressing than whether or not Giannis uh, make takes his talents to Toronto. So, I know you've been asked this question a million times, or at least you've heard this question asked a million times. But as it stands on December eleventh, two thousand twenty, do the Raptors have a legitimate shot at getting Giannis? Well, as long as he doesn't sign that Supermax, they certainly have a legitimate shot. I think a lot of people have made that correlation with Giannis and Masai Ujiri, that the relationship and the history that they have. But I think there's a lot of other teams in play as well. I think the Dallas Mavericks have a legitimate shot. You know, if you want to pair Giannis with Luka Doncic and Chris uh, Tapps Porzingis, that's certainly enticing. I think Giannis has the connection to the Miami Heat as well. They're going to be in the running. So it's not like if he decides not to go to Milwaukee, it's like Toronto or bust. This guy certainly has his options. He's the two-time reigning MVP, one of the top players in the entire association. You know, in a perfect world, sure, yeah. Who wouldn't want uh, a guy like that to come to Toronto? I think, you know, Kawhi Leonard spoiled us. When you have that superstar on your roster and see the heights that you can reach, you know, the Raptors, the one year that they had him getting to the finals, winning the NBA championship, kind of gets starstruck with Giannis. And you think that that's the end-all, be-all for this team. Yeah, I'm crossing my fingers. I'm crossing my toes. I'm following Twitter constantly, seeing if he, you know, doesn't sign that Supermax. And hopefully heading into the summer, the Raptors are in the thick of it. But I'm not putting all of my eggs into that one basket. I don't think it's the end of the world if he doesn't come here. I agree. Um, I definitely just think, you know, Masai has his plan. I think he has his backups. If We know he's put, We know they kind of are putting their eggs in, in one basket with Giannis, but I think he has a backup plan. We just don't know it going to sign us three you know he's going to put some jerseys on us <laughs> us from oh, the man. point you know <laughs> new from i'm court. just getting some <laughs> off the bench rotation minutes uh just shooting corner threes and uh breaking all of them hey, the way they I develop talent who's, who's to say that they can't make us all stars <laughs> just there you right go through their development system awesome <laughs> uh, um my next question is uh regarding i i'm pretty sure you've seen it. everyone's seen it um the like ESPN put out a, a list of the top 100 NBA players going into the next season. You've, you've seen it, right? Yes. Of course. And uh, first I want to ask, uh, before we get into the, I guess, the disrespect, uh, what do you think of the Raptors rankings? Uh, of course, uh, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet was on there, um, Pascal Siakam. What did you think about their rankings? I mean, truth be told, I try not to look too much into those NBA rankings because I think it's all subjective. It's the opinion of one or two people mm-hmm. at the end of the day. But it, it, it's ironic because actually the next podcast that I'm recording on Sunday is going to be solely about that. So I'm giving <laughs> it the attention that I don't necessarily want to. But it's it's a fun talking point anyway. And for the Raptors, I remember I think Fred Van Vliet was 40th, Kyle Lowry 30th, and Pascal Siakam 24th. And mm-hmm. obviously I kind of expected Siakam's number to take a little bit of a hit after the playoffs, but Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, they're exactly where I expected them to be. I I think, you know, looking back at Kyle Lowry's history on that list, I mean, he dropped several spots after winning the championship. So nothing surprised me anymore about where Kyle Lowry fell. You know, I, I would have put him in the high 20 range, maybe even the low teens, but at the end of the day, I think players kind of look at those numbers and use it as motivation. I think that's going to ring true for a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who was horribly shafted. I mean, the guy was ranked 82nd in the league, you know, maybe 30 or so spots behind a guy like Tyler Hero for crying out loud. 
for the Raptors, I'm not looking too much into it. The spots are what they are. I think some guys should be a little bit offended, like a DeRozan. But at the end of the day, it's just, like I said, it's one or two people's opinion. But again, spoiler alert for my next episode of the Walder Sportscast, because that's what I'm talking about. Tune in, tune in for the next episode for sure. Um, hey, yeah, there I was, it is. I was going to ask you about DeMar DeRozan, who, yeah, really did get disrespected. Like, he, I, I definitely think he was the biggest surprise on that list, especially when uh, I think they tweeted out the uh, initial, like, you know, a few big names from the initial 50 to 100 uh, rankings. And, uh, you know, people saw Lonzo Ball at, like, 54 and DeMar DeRozan at 82. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm huge on Lonzo Ball and the Ball Brothers as well. But, you know, he definitely should not be right there and especially not that much farther, you know, higher up than DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. I'm looking at his stats right now. The guy averaged 22.1 points near, you know, five and a half rebounds and five and a half, half a six per game. The guy shot 53% from the field, which is easily a career high. And the guy's number plummeted and the rankings. I think a lot of people maybe held his lack of defense against him or maybe the fact that he was on the Spurs which is a pretty irrelevant franchise unfortunately at this point you know they're not a the perennial title contender like they once were but that rating was far too low for a guy like DeRozan I think he's going to use that as a motivation I I think you know if there was ever a guy in the league who would look at a number like that and be like screw this I'm going to prove these people wrong it's DeRozan Mm -hmm. and honestly I remember um a couple seasons ago a few seasons ago he was I feel like ESPN is disrespecting him a lot in the the top 100 and I, I, I vividly remember him tweeting out uh, one of the numbers. I forgot what his rank was, but he was pretty mad at that ranking too. Like he's just going to continue tweeting out ESPN and with a giant turd uh, in the tweet. He's, he's not the biggest ESPN fan at the moment, and rightfully so. I think that ranking is ludicrous. Mm-hmm. So is it safe to say that DeRozan is the most underrated NBA player right now? Maybe by the well, media. in terms of that ranking, yeah. <laughs> Maybe by that ranking, yeah. There you go. Awesome. Tyler Hero's the most overrated, I suppose. <laughs> oh, well, not by his fault. He didn't put himself in that spot. I don't think Heat fans are going to be too happy to hear that. He has a bright future. Though. Most fans from other teams aren't happy with most that I say, so it's all good. <laughs> oh man. All right. Unless you're a part of Raptors Twitter, you're probably sick of my tweets anyway. <laughs> so if, if I piss off a, a few Heat fans, it's all good. Uh, all right. Um, our next question is uh, about the Lakers, actually. And kind of going off that ESPN 100 list, LeBron James and Anthony Davis were both ranked first and second. So that means the Lakers have, you know, according to them, the first and second best players uh, in the league. Do you think they're still the best duo in the league? And do you think the Lakers repeat this season? Well, they're easily the best duo in the in the association. I mean, they just won the freaking championship for crying out loud. If you ever needed proof in the pudding that they're number one and two in the league, it's, I mean, it's evident right there. They have the Larry O'Brien trophy. And I think they're certainly the favorites uh, to repeat this year. I I can't think of another duo. I would have given, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George a shot if they didn't blow that three, one lead against the Denver nuggets. And I would have loved to have seen them in the Western conference finals against the Lakers and let them duke it out. But we didn't even get that. This offseason was a big one for them, and I personally think that they didn't have a great offseason just compared to the fact that the Lakers had an even better one. So as it stands right now, can the Clippers challenge the Lakers for L.A. dominance, or is it, like you said, still the Lakers' uh, the crown to lose? 
Yeah, I mean, the Lakers are in the number one spot for a reason. I think the Clippers have a lot of redemption, a lot of redeeming that they need to do. That was a very pitiful performance, especially in Game 7 against Denver. I think Kawhi and Paul George have a lot to prove. You know, you look at some of the ESPN hosts, like a Max Kellerman, for example, who was ready to anoint Kawhi the number one player in the world. And then LeBron shut that down pretty much immediately. Mm -hmm. So, and again, with the contracts, you know, Paul George has signed his extension, but Kawhi Leonard's future is up in the air. We don't know if he's going to stick around, especially if the Clippers fall short again. But the Lakers are number one for a reason. I think the Clippers are going to have to kind of step up to the plate and see if they can knock them off their pedestal. But right now, with the moves that the Lakers made and the moves that the Clippers didn't make, it's hard to imagine that playing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's definitely going to be Absolutely. interesting. Yeah. Um, so we're going to wrap up the interview here uh, very soon. Uh, I have a side question, uh, Chris. Uh, we like to talk about video games a lot on this uh, podcast. And, and I noticed you tweet about Kingdom Hearts, which is easily probably my favorite video game of all time. Are you a big fan of that? love kingdom hearts because i'm I'm a massive disney fan uh my fiance and i have a big history with disney uh her family used to go to disney world like basically multiple times a year and we're actually trying to get our wedding to take place uh at like disney springs uh like at a nearby restaurant but that remains to be seen with the pandemic but yeah i love kingdom hearts love all the disney worlds it's very nostalgic for me amazing love it that's awesome (laughs) we love talking about vegans and uh yeah, I mean, anytime we could talk about those things, uh, yeah, it's just it's just awesome. And and I've been trying to get Michael to hopefully get into that uh, game series sometime soon. <laughs> I will eventually once I get a PS Five. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't we all want that, eh? <laughs> oh man, but well, uh, well, since we're talking, well, since we're on the subject, uh, mm-hmm. why don't you give us your video game recommendation uh, for there right now, like besides uh, Kingdom Hearts? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a while since I've played a lot of games, just because I've been so busy. The last game that I played that I really enjoyed was the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, I remember so playing it back in the day for the PlayStation One, but seeing the way they revamped the controls and whatnot, and the graphics were gorgeous. The only problem is, is that it's only like a, a third or a quarter of the original game. So I'm curious to see, you know, when the next game's going to come out. I, I'm very impatient. You know, there was a long stretch between Kingdom Hearts two and three. And now I hope not to see that with uh, the next Final Fantasy VII game because I want to continue that story because it was a lot of fun. And, you know, spoiler alert, you know, Aerith eventually dies, you know, <laughs> Sephiroth kills her, knocks her out, uh, knocks her out of the picture. But that, that was a game that I quite enjoyed. I'm not much of a shooter fan, uh, probably because I suck at them. So you're not going to see me playing a lot of Call of Duty or Fortnite or any of those games. But the RPGs, that's where my loyalty lies. Nice. There are some really good RPGs. I honestly need to get really get back into those because uh, I I played a couple. Obviously, the big one is Pokemon because uh, even though people technically sometimes don't even think of it as an RPG, it technically still is. is but yeah. yeah, I need I, I need to get into some RPGs. It's been a while. RPGs are amazing, and I definitely recommend uh, Final Fantasy VII. If anything, yeah, I was getting through that as well, and can't wait for the next uh, part of it. Um, yeah, the remake's been just amazing, and obviously the original is amazing too. There you go. Mm-hmm. uh chris before we let you go thank first of all thank you so much for doing this we really appreciate the time uh we're it's way too early we don't even know the second half of the nba schedule yet uh but at, but just getting into the season what are your way what's your way too early prediction for the nba finals in 2021 uh i see the lakers repeating as nba champions and i would love to say that it's going to be the raptors facing off <laughs> for larry ob but i unfortunately don't see that coming i think uh at this point you know what i'm gonna 
play I'm gonna say the Philadelphia 76ers. I had them getting there last year. I think they're gonna make a big move. I think they're gonna move Ben Simmons for James Harden at some point. And even if they don't, I think they have the pieces in place to kind of make a deep run. There's not a team in the East that kind of stands out to me. And that was evident by the Miami Heat getting to the NBA finals. So I'm going with Philly. I don't feel good about it, but whoever gets out of the East, I think the Lakers are gonna take them out. It's going to be a very interesting season. There you go. Ladies and, Super ladies and gentlemen, game. there we go. The mm. 76ers are going to lose to the Lakers in probably <laughs> five games. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Man, it's, it's just going to be such an – we're just so excited for the new season. It's just going to be amazing. Um, but, yeah, we will uh, let you go there. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on, uh, Chris, and, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All the best to you and your podcast. Uh, please stay safe out there. And uh, yeah, hope to get do this again soon with you guys. Absolutely. Can't wait to have you on again, man. Absolutely. We'd love to have you on again. Um, but yeah, have a great night, man. Thanks again. Cheers. That was such a great interview as always um chris is just such a great guy and make sure that you check him out um his podcast on apple uh on apple podcast and on spotify it is the walder Sportscast. and make sure you're following him following him on twitter we uh forgot to get him to shout out his socials but his twitter is at walder sports so make sure you go give that a follow great guy great tweets and uh, a lot of great work there I definitely agree with you. He was a great uh, get, and he was a great uh, it was a great conversation. But you know what else is great? The Browns and the Bills right now. They are having quite the seasons, both of them, and they are both on track to have a winning campaign. The Browns, it's been a while for uh, them. It's probably mm-hmm. been a like real almost, while. almost two decades. Yeah, and <laughs> the Bills uh, are up here, at least that's what I think, up here to be in position to win the division but uh knock on wood for that because this is the bills we're talking about <laughs> i'll start with your browns uh, matthew um how do how confident do you feel about this team's chances i'm first i was gonna say it's it's great that both of our teams this season you know we're starting off this podcast this is the first nfl season we're covering on this podcast and it's great to have a positive season on both ends um to start off this podcast for like the nfl segment so that's great but mm-hmm. um yeah as the season slowly comes to a close um yeah just you know the positivity is really growing and, and it's re- reaching that climax really um in the peak of uh positivity about the browns of course all season you know browns fans are just saying you know you know just just hoping that things don't you know crash and burn like they kind of are used to uh happening but uh yeah the browns right now are nine and three uh same record as uh the bills and currently second in the afc north um and it's safe to say that things are looking good, um, especially for a, a playoff run, uh, knock on wood, you know, that uh, nothing crashes and burns. But yeah, you could see how this team has really formed and how this team has really, you know, fought against the odds and really um, come into their own. You know, it, it's 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 easy to have a lot more faith in them now. Absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't... Be- I'm not afraid to admit that I thought the Browns were done once Odell Beckham Jr. went down with his injury because he was a big part of their offense. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he 
like the, the the team as a whole was able to bounce back in a way that they have, and they're now in position to potentially clinch their first playoff spot in almost two de- in almost two decades. It's quite the accomplishment, and it just bodes well for the, this team's chances going forward. Especially like what what would this team be able to do if Odell's back fully healthy next mm-hmm. year? I think it speaks volumes. It speaks volumes to um, really how good and and you know just how consistent this team has been that the fact that you know when you lose Odell Beckham Jr um obviously the star player you know arguably you know a top player on the team and um when you lose that you know you'd think that the team would just crash and burn but the fact that they've been you know not just surviving but really excelling even without him means you know just wait till he's back and then and see how that that you know that plays out absolutely I mean, the Bills, for, for me, just to quickly mention it, uh, I'm obviously feeling a little bit better about myself, especially after last night when the Steel- when the Patriots lost uh, to the Rams uh, in a bit of a blowout. But uh, the Dolphins remain a legitimate threat. They continue to defy the odds in spite of the fact that they have a rookie quarterback and uh, Fitzception continuing to be a presence there. But this coming weekend is actually a big one for both Cleveland and Buffalo. They're both playing primetime games, the Bills on Sunday night football and your Browns on Monday night football. I have to say just from my perspective for a second, this is a big test for Buffalo. If they can win this game, they will have a good opportunity to prove that they can run with the big dogs. And that's something that's been a big question mark. This going all your season long is Josh is Josh Allen offense capable of going far. If mm-hmm. they can beat a legitimate team like the Steelers, they could definitely do that. So mm-hmm. what about your uh, Browns playing against the, the Ravens? Like you said, um, for the for the Browns, there's you know the added layer of uh, you know fight for fighting for that divisional spot. The Ravens are right below the Browns, so this is this is an important game. But on top of that, you know having that prime time slot and you know really being finally put on the big stage, um, you know it's it's obviously maybe it'll make them play harder because you know this is them fighting for that respect that they kind of had to earn. Absolutely, and you know. I think the playoffs will look a lot better when Cleveland's in it. It sucks that it's happening when there's no fans in attendance to watch, but uh, <laughs> you know it'll it'll be great. It'll be great to it'll be great for football because uh, a good Cleveland team will will help. So we'll be on the lookout for that. And uh, speaking of being on the lookout for, be on the lookout for the next episode because we are set to wrap things up. Hmm. Um. So make sure uh you guys follow us. Um. And uh, tweet us, tweet us any feedback, uh, message us, whatever, any feedback about the podcast, any questions, things like that. Um, you can follow me and you can tweet me at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO. Don't forget about our Twitter, our podcast. It has a Twitter account as well. It's at Behind the Net Pod. And let us know if you want to, us to continue to talk about uh, other NBA teams or even just the NFL. Uh, the season's uh, almost finished. Uh, we, I I think it's week 14. Am I, am I, am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have to double check that actually. Um, it feels like time's been flying. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> this whole year, but yeah. Um, we'll just see how everything plays out. And things are, things are, things are starting to get going again, of course, with sports. So it's going to be fun. Absolutely. So with that out of the way, thank you guys for listening. As always, we'll look back, look forward to seeing you for episode two of season two. 